0: Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk.
1: Welcome to Northbridge, everyone. Whether you're in this room or you're online, I am so glad you are with us here this first Sunday of January. This first Sunday of 2020. Uh, I'm excited about a new year. I hope you are as well. One of the things about moving into 2020, as we are out of, headed out of of our Christmas season and we're in this long stretch of winter. I've talked about this before, about how winter for many of us can be a debilitating season. It can be a, just a dark, dark apocalypse of a cold month after month of winter, you know, and, and many of us can go into negative places and negative spaces. And so for me, I try to take every opportunity and think of everything I can possibly celebrate. And, you know, we celebrate for us at the Turner Home, we celebrate Super Bowl and we celebrate Dana's birthday. Uh, even despite, you know, trying to look for holidays, I refuse to, you know, I just, I can't celebrate Valentine's Day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. Fortunately for me, it's right there with Dana's birthday. So all of my emphasis goes into Dana's birthday. And then she says, okay, part of that is for my birthday. And part of that is for Valentine's Day, whatever, whatever there. I just, I, you know, I'm not a Valentine's Day person. I think that was a Ploy created by Hallmark. Uh, Men, for the record, I think we should be sharing our love and expressing our our appreciation, our love, our gratitude to our wives, to our spouses more than one day a year. Okay. Uh, If that gets me back in the graces, hopefully. Uh, But I just I, I I don't look at Valentine's Day, but I've created a new experience for us, for me, to get me through the doldrums of winter. And that is recognizing we are in a movie season, right? The, oftentimes the wintertime, uh, new movies come out around Christmas and then they, they just go through January, February. There is particularly one movie I am paying attention to. I have not seen it yet because I have to have very specific paradigms in place to enjoy movies like this, and it's not there yet. But I want you to see, watch this clip. I think you can recognize with me what movie I'm really paying attention to. Go ahead and show the clip, Brenda. Now, I apologize up front for those of you who are not Star Wars fans to have to endure four minutes and 13 seconds of that. But for people like me who grew up, my very first memory of a movie was... Uh, the 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 rise of hope or a new hope with Luke Skywalker and matter of fact I can tell you uh, yesterday uh, we are cleaning out our office and trying to trying to just uh, just just remove excess stuff and we're finding junk and finding papers and finding things that uh, that just we've set aside or we've laid a- aside in closets. For years, and we're trying to get rid of all of that stuff. We're simplifying our life a little bit, and, and we find a shoebox tucked away in a corner. And Dana said, "What, what what's in that shoebox?" And I was like, "I don't know." And she said, "Oh, probably it's your old uh, probably it's your your old school yearbooks." And I was like, "Yeah, probably so." Well, about we just set it aside. About five or six minutes later, uh, maybe even longer. Dax opens it up and discovers that somewhere along the way, I suspect it was when I was a single man in my early 20s, because I don't see Dana allowing me to do this now, uh, but somewhere along the way, I found a 12-inch figure of Han Solo, still in a box, mint condition, and I found several of the small Uh, Star Wars dolls uh, that were still in their boxes mint condition and I guess I purchased those when I was in my 20s thinking that one day I would retire off of those I would sell them for a fortune right and Dax took a look at them and of course Dax being a five-year-old boy was like oh this is great let's just continue to to put them let's put them somewhere away safely let's not touch them No, of course not. He immediately wanted to dig into them, you know, and and I think Dana saw the war in my face. Like, I was like, oh. And she's like, well, you know, Tony, we can, you know, they're yours. So, you know, she's like talking to two children here. She's like, they're your toys, Tony. So Dax doesn't have to play with them if if you don't want him to. And fortunately, I muscled up and I said, no, no, this is ridiculous. If I am not going to allow my son to have my toys, that's ridiculous. So we ripped those things open and for six hours... Six hours last night, he played with those things and brought memories back to what I was like as a five-year-old with those very same kinds of toys, and it brought a joy to me. But I realize that for all of us, we can't say that. However, I can say this. I believe that for the vast majority of us in this room, we are attracted to epic stories, to big stories, larger than life. I'm talking about a story where a singular person who is often outside of the group, outside of the norm, outside of society, they rise against all odds against them to save the day, whether it's to save the galaxy or to save a planet, whether it's to save a city or a village, they save something. We call that an epic story. And I realize that Star Wars Probably began that experience within our culture, but it continued on. And I asked you the question this week through Facebook what are some of those epic stories you love? And many of you responded. And I heard from many people Lord of the Rings, that was a resounding answer. For other people, James Bond or King Kong. I heard Indiana Jones uh, as an epic story that people could lean into. Someone even said the movie A Dog dog's purpose was a movie that they leaned into as an epic story. We are attracted to these stories. Why? I don't believe it's because of the incredible special effects. I don't believe it's because of the sense of adventure or, or the, the the action that occurs. I don't believe it's the setting and looking at beautiful vistas. I don't even believe it's about necessarily the interaction between the characters. I believe we are attracted to these kinds of stories, whether it's Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or James Bond. We are attracted to them because we as human beings are wired to be people who will stand in the gap for other people and save the day. We are built to stand in the gap. So we identify with these characters, these characters like in Star Wars, the character Ray or Luke Skywalker. Yes, I hate to say it, but we even identify with characters like Harry Potter. And we identify with Indiana Jones and Frodo Baggins. Because we, as God builds us, have that kind of DNA tucked sometimes deeply into our lives. The DNA that says we will stand on behalf of other people and defend the defenseless. We will see the problem in front of us and we will work to fix that problem. Several months ago, we introduced the topic of holes. I talked about our society being just like a city-state that has a wall around it, and that wall protects from brokenness. That wall protects from evil. That wall protects us from those who would see us destroyed. And I Shared, we shared during that time about how our society that is behind this wall has many holes in the wall, many places of our wall that is meant to protect us and give us safety and security. Many of these areas have been broken down, and we find ourselves living with a wall in front of us that has a lot of holes in it. And you have the choice. To stand in the gap of that hole and sound the call, we created a video to help us describe what some of those holes are and how we will stand in the gap and what that looks like. And we created this video, and I just want to show that again so you can see that, so you can experience that, just be reminded of what we talked about back in September. Go ahead, Brenda, and show the video.
0: Drawn to praise Him. We know we are truly standing in the gap when we see hundreds of our friends and family give their lives to the Lord Jesus. We will do this by inviting them to come and see and by going into our world praying, caring, and sharing with people the Lord puts in our path of influence. We will be standing in the gap when we join with others to do life together in small groups for the purpose of support and growth as we read the Bible together pray together, and share together. We will be standing in the gap as we join together each week to worship the living God. In so doing, we will experience life change. Our families will be strengthened and the gospel will be proclaimed. As we enter into worship, the Lord will join us and He will meet our felt and unfelt needs through His transformational power. We will be standing in the gap as we join our lives and resources to meet the needs of our community by serving them in both big and small ways. Our community is made up of hurting kids and people without hope who find themselves cast aside by the world. We will enter into their lives to provide the answer of the risen Jesus who wants to redeem and restore them. We will be standing in the gap as we participate in multiple mission opportunities locally and globally. We know that the work is too great for one church to accomplish, so we will endeavor to grow our partnership with networks and organizations that are intent on expanding the kingdom across the nations. We know we are standing in the gap as we see families strengthened because marriages are welded together by faith in Jesus. We will work to see dads present in their families, loving and raising their kids. We will embrace single people to enter into our family culture. They will become our brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, even our moms and dads, knowing they have gifts that will strengthen and bless the family. We know we are standing in the gap as we are known in our community as a house of prayer. Our family, friends, and neighbors will be seeking out our church to pray for the needs in their lives. We will not stop doing this until Jesus calls us heavenward. In this work, God's kingdom will expand, Satan's dominion will shrink, thousands will be saved, and hundreds of leaders will be developed and called into the work ahead of us. Will you stand in the gap? I ask again, will you stand in the gap?
1: So we produced that video. We talked about that and looked at what that would look like. Uh, we talked about what that would look like for us as a church, and we asked you to commit to being people who would stand the gap. But if you remember that, that service, it was a special time in which you all had a, a piece of a Lego, a giant Lego building block, and I invited you to, to write your name on it and to bring it over to a... a visual description or visual uh, metaphor of a gap in a wall and just I told you just place your your block there if you would be a person that Northbridge Church could count on to be people who would stand the gap I did not give you specifics I did not tell you how we would do it I just said we would we would fill in the blank we would figure that out as we go, but will you be a willing person and so many of you responded to that again I I would put the call out today. If you weren't there during that service, uh, you will see we've put the wall back up again, and there's blank holes, there's blank spots, there's blocks that have no names on it, or there's spaces on our wall where I would invite you to take a pen and just sign your name. Put your name on on one of the blocks if you would be a person to say, yes, I will stand in the gap, and you've not made that commitment yet. Now, what I'm prepared to do today that we did not do last time we talked about that is to just answer the question, how do we stand in the gap? What do we do when we are standing in the gap? And I get my answer by looking at medieval siege warfare. I know that's an exciting topic for all of us. We, you all were hoping to have a lecture on medieval siege warfare, right, Brandon? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the three things I've learned over the last couple of months that when ancient towns and communities that had walls, when they would be breached and they would find holes in the wall from the enemy that the enemy penetrated, there were three things that people who were called upon to stand the gap would do. They would, first of all, sound the call. They would sound out the alarm. When they see a hole in the wall, they would want to make sure the entire community knows there's a hole in the wall. In our biblical language, we'd call that the role of the prophet, right? The person who will proclaim, there is a problem here. There is something that that hurts us. There is something that vexes the living God. There is something going on that we need to pay attention to. We are called to sound the call, to sound the alarm. When we recognize that there is a hole in the wall, through our video, we've attempted to sound a call of alarm. We recognize that in our world, we are moving further and further from the living God and that there is a lostness problem. More and more people in our world do not know who Jesus is than, than ever have in the past, in the past 100, 150 years. We, as a culture, are moving further away from having God in his rightful place than we are moving towards that. We recognize there's a problem with hopelessness in our culture. People are becoming and acting more aggressively. People are acting uh, without hope in their world, without hope in their lives. Why? Because there's hopelessness within their lives. We see that as a hole that we need to address. We see that we have a family problem within our culture families fractured and broken, dads walking away from their rightful duties as a leader of their kids, and we say we will stand for that. We recognize there's a loneliness problem that even though we have more technology today for communication, right now with the click of a button, I can communicate to someone that is on the other side of the world in seconds, and yet we find ourselves more lonely than ever. We have a loneliness issue. So we sound the call on those things. The second thing that we do when we find ourselves addressing and being willing to stand the gap is we fight the enemy. Because the reality is, when a hole is in the wall, the enemy will be pouring into it very quickly. And so we engage ourselves to fight that enemy. It re- requires us to realize who is the real enemy, who is the right enemy. Oftentimes we misdiagnose that and we think people on the other side of the political spectrum is our enemy or people that are far from us are our enemies, people that are different than us are enemies. And the reality is it's not people that are, in, that are our enemies. We'll talk about that down the road. And the third thing that we are required to do as we sound the call, as we fight the enemy, is to begin to fill in the gap. We have to fix the wall or otherwise we will be perpetually fighting the enemy. So now this is the question, and this is the thing that I want us to talk about today because it's so important for us to wrap our minds around, and that is the question, what do we fill the gap in with? And for that, I invite you to open up your scriptures to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be reading in verse 4. I find it interesting. We, we, we got our metaphor from the Old Testament, I believe Peter, when he was writing the book of First and 2 Peter to the churches, he was steeped in the Old Testament. And it's very interesting that he's using some of the words here. I have to believe that he had some of the same metaphors that we're thinking about, he was thinking about as well. And this is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, Verse 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As you come to him, Jesus, the living what? Stone, stone. Isn't it interesting that Peter uses... There's there's many metaphors for Jesus, but one of the... Metaphors Jesus is used or is given to him is the metaphor. He's a stone, he is a living stone. And it goes on, Peter goes on in verse 5 and says, And you are being made into a stone just like Peter. You are a building block just like Jesus, Peter says. You see, I believe one of the things that Peter is talking about here for us is. What do we fill our gaps in with? We fill the gap that we find in our community, in our society. We are to fill the gap in with Jesus. You see, that's so important for us to wrap our minds around because it's very easy for us as perpetual do gooders to figure out that they're to see problems in the world and to see the holes. And then we try to fill those holes with good things. Don't hear me. What I'm about to tell you, these are good things. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're not Jesus. They're not the best thing. You See, we could look at the plight in war-torn countries that have famine racking them and poverty, crazy poverty happening. And we could look back and say, you know what the, what the problem is there is, is there's lack of educational opportunities. And if we just provide education to some of those people then the problem will go away we can look at the inner city and see the problems within our inner cities the decay and the destruction and the loneliness and the hopelessness and the violence that is occurring and we could sit back and say well the problem with that is the lack of the nuclear family if we could just get families to stay together then we will solve this problem we could look at uh we could look at the homeless epidemic that is in America today and say, well, the we, we, we need to fix that epidemic is that these people, they have a low value and a low self-esteem. And if we just do things to promote self-esteem, if we do things to make these homeless people happy, the problem will go away. We can go on and on with every problem that's in our world. I think you understand what I'm talking about here. Again, everything I've described, nothing wrong with them, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with people being more educated. I've strived very hard to be as educated as I possibly can. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with uh, that. We better be striving to have families that are, t- that are united and that are together, husband and wife, man and woman. We, we should laud those things. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but I'm saying that when we believe that those are the answers to the problem, when those are the things that we are to fill the, the holes in the wall with, we will never fill those holes up because the only stone that can be placed there that will last will be the living stone, Jesus Christ. Another reality we must grasp, and this brings the, the movies back in, those characters, is found in, in verse 9. As we go down in 1 Peter chapter 2, we go to verse 9, and here is a passage that we just have to wrap our minds around Peter writes, he says, you, you, you. He's talking to the early church, the imperfect early church. He's talking to us, the imperfect church in America today, the people who struggle with things, the people who are dealing with our own issues, the people who don't have life figured out, the people who still are dealing with our own foibles, our own tragedies, with the things that still break us. Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Wow. You think about all the things that God possesses, the creator of 50 billion sons, the sustainer of life, all the things that he has at his disposal, all the power that he yields, and he calls us his special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. What am I talking about today? I'm talking about this. Here's the sad reality for way too many of us. So many of us don't have an understanding of who God made you to be. And friend, I'm going to tell you this. God made you more than to be, to be more than just an ex-athlete jock from high school that goes back to, to your, your one, the wonder years and remember the glory of when you were 18 years old. God has called you more to be more than being a mom and a dad to great kids. God has called you more than to be a great teacher or a banker or a great police officer or a great, you know, nurse or doctor or business person. God has called you more than to be those things. God has called you more than to be the person that we just go in and out of life to, with every day, every hour. God has called us to be more than the person that is just. Obsessed with other, whatever whatever our hobby is, whether it's a sport or a craft or an art or hunting or boating or whatever it is. He has called you to be more than what you're doing today. Why? Because when God looks at you, he doesn't see some wicked, vile sinner. He sees a person who is chosen from the ends of the earth. He sees a royal priesthood. He sees a member of a holy nation. He sees someone who belongs to him, who is a special possession of his. And friend, he is calling you not just to get by in life. If you're just getting by in life, You're going to have a pretty sad life, friend. He's calling you to something greater. And that's the reason why these epic movies stand out in our lives, because we are reminded just for a moment, even by pagan playwrights, that there's more to life than paying the bills or going on vacation or going to Little League or going to work. Uh you know forty hours or 60 hours or 80 hours a week now again, hear me, all of those things are good, but let me tell you God has never intended that that is the driving force of your life but the enemy comes in so quietly and whispers into our ears go along with the flow, make sure you pay your bills be a Be an upright citizen. Be worried about the same things everyone else worries about. What happens? We get too busy with all of our responsibilities. We forget what it is that God has called us to be, to be people who will stand in the gap. So this year, in 2020, there are three big words That I believe have the potential to change aspects of our community, certainly change some of our family and our friends for eternity. These three words, they kind of go together. These three words, you will hear them often in 2020. It is going to be our goal, or not just our goal, it's our, it's, this is our template for how we share our faith. If you're, Saying, Tony, I want to share. I want to share with my friends. I want to share with my family. I just don't know how. Well, we're going to teach you the how. And let me tell you, it's a three step process for you that we call prayer, care, and share. You see, we believe that 2020, if we're going to do anything of lasting value to fill in the holes that make up the gaps in this world, it's going to be prayer born. We're not going to be able to do it under our own effort. We're not going to be able to do it under our own wisdom. We're not going to be able to do it under our own strength. It's going to have to emanate from God. God's going to have to give us our marching orders. He's going to have to give us our directions. He's going to have to give us our resources. And so it's going to require us to spend long time in prayer, both corporate and personal And so this year we will be talking about prayer and what that looks like. And my hope is for those of you who are, that for every person in this room, we will grow in our prayer life. And for maybe some of you, the truth is you pray when you come here. My hope and my prayer for you is that this year you will begin to to become a person who you're not just praying once a week, but you're praying daily. And my hope is that for those of us who pray daily, but if you honestly look at your prayer requests, it's all about you and your family and about personal comfort and about personal blessing. Hear me, those are all good things. I pray for those things in my life, but I also pray for countries that I am that I'm nowhere near. And I pray for people that I am aware of. I've become aware of missionaries and people who are under the tyranny of c- countries and governments that say Christianity uh, is, is unlawful. I pray for these people who I've never met. I pray for people who have no bearing on my life. And I spend energy interceding for them. I, my challenge is if you find yourself pretty selfish about your prayers, that you would grow and begin praying for things that have nothing to do with you. Nothing to do about you. They don't make you feel more pious or they don't make you feel more holy or more spiritual, but you pray for other things and other people. My hope is that we grow in our prayers this year. And my hope is that out of our prayer, we will begin, as we connect with the living God, we will begin to care more for people And as we care more for people, we begin to serve those people. We don't have to twist arms to serve people in big and small ways throughout the year, but people will just naturally say, how can I serve this person? Maybe it's the least of these kind of person. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. But you begin to care for them. You begin to show your care for them. And out of that, you have earned the right to be heard and you then do what? You share. You share your faith. It will come a point where you will take a normal everyday conversation about the weather or about ball or about the kids' uh, schooling, and somehow you're able to then move that into a scenario where you say, let me tell you about something a little more important than this than what we're talking about. Can I talk to you about something that's really made a giant impact in me and I love you so much, I just want you to know what's made a difference in my life. And guess what? If that person has no clue how much you care for them, they're gonna probably say no. Or if if they feel like they gotta say yes, they're not gonna be listening to you. But when you are around people who they know you love them, they know you care for them, they're gonna be, you're gonna have their total attention, friend. And you're gonna be prepared to be able to share. This year, we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on prayer. We're going to look at how do we care, and we're going to give tools and make tools available for you to be competent and when it's time for you to share with your friends, with your family, with your co-workers. So today, we're going to conclude, and we're going to just start with what I've talked about as we are people who fill in the gap, today, let's pray. Maybe make this the very first prayer of 2020 when we're talking about this subject of how do we be people who stand in the gap? Perhaps, just this isn't some Jedi mind trick to make you feel guilty here. This is just maybe perhaps where we're at. I'm I'm a person. I get it that for many of us, you say you could be sitting there going, Tony, great sermon. Eh, well, okay, sermon, mediocre sermon. You know, it, it sufficed for today. But man, I'm too busy and I got too much stuff on my own to deal with and I got my own junk. Maybe five years or ten years from now, I'll stand in the gap and I'll be a person to make a difference in this world. But I just, I'm on survival mode right now. I just, I just got to make it through tomorrow. I I hear you. I hear you. And what I'm asking is not for you to conform to my will because at the end of the day I'm just one person trying to share with you my heart. What I'd rather see happen is you conform to the will of God when he reveals himself to you. So today, why don't we just close this time with prayer? And maybe the prayer for us to be praying fervently right now is God, show us, give us a sense of what you feel about our neighbors. God, when you look at the world around us, what do you see? Maybe we just begin there and just ask God to give us a vision for what he sees as our Lord, as our Savior, as our everything. How does God view your friends? How does God view the society we live in? How does God view your neighborhood? How does God view the place you go to work at, the people you hang out with at PTA, the people who you spend time with? What does God feel about those individuals? And then out of that, maybe our second prayer is, God, conform my heart to be the same kind of heart that you have, Lord, for these people. Would you pray that right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm just going to give you just a silent moment to just maybe for you just to whisper that prayer to God. Just It's as simple as, God, show me the world around me. And how do you see that, God? God. Lord, my prayer is that you would reveal the world that we're living in. Help us to see your heart, Father, for people around us, for people inside the church and people outside of the church, for people within our very close spheres of influence and people that are very different than us. Lord, as I read your word, I experience a God with a very big heart. Heart and a very big vision. Over the next weeks and months, would you conform us to have the same kind of vision and the same kind of heart for our community, for the world around us that you have, God? Lord, would you breathe into us the passion that you have? God, would you would you help us to repent where we need to repent from areas of selfishness and places where we would just want to serve ourselves, we just want to be comfortable, we just want to be content, we just want to be happy. And Lord, speak and breathe into our lives a passion and a desire and a zealousness to see your name declared across this entire world to see your kingdom built, and, Lord, to see the gaps in the walls filled around us because way too many people are hurting. And, Lord, I get that by doing that, we're worshiping you. By doing that, we're praising you. Help us in these endeavors, God. Change our hearts and change our passions for you, Lord. These things we pray in your son's powerful name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Northbridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.